At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever been interested in taking meaningful and eye-catching self-portraits? If so, our self-portrait photography indoors on a budget course is perfect for you. I'm actually the instructor and I'll be teaching you how to take really beautiful photographs of yourself indoors without investing in any other equipment. These lessons are all about making the most of what you have, experienced or not, and telling an authentic story. There are 30 video lessons that include quizzes, a community of photographers, random surprises, and much more. This is an incredible opportunity for you to improve your self-portrait photography skills and to impress everyone around you. I have a very special discount code just for our podcast listeners. We're offering a 50% discount code just for you. Use this code to claim your discount, Portrait50. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to American photographer Jake Weiner. Jake is a film photographer, and he's released many interesting photography books, and he's just an overall talented guy. We talk about his process for self-publishing photography books, where he finds inspiration for his film shots, how he takes analog photos at home, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Jake. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Ty. Uh, it's good to be here i appreciate you you know inviting me on i'm excited about it uh, i'm jake wangner i've been a photographer since 2010 and uh, i've done a lot of things i've done video I've done graphic design and i've done photography professionally and nowadays it's it's kind of the thing i do for me and i make photography books for me and sell them to people through social media and that's kind of where I've found my home in photography and where I feel the most comfortable with photography is just kind of treating myself as my client. So that's kind of where I'm at now with, with my photography career. 
That's a good place to be, to have found your own comfort space as a photographer, especially online. It's definitely not easy to achieve that. It must have taken you a while to get to that place. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey, trying different things. You know, I've been the photographer that takes senior portraits. I've been the photographer that shoots concerts. I've been the photographer that, you know, if you name it, I've probably tried it at least once. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been, I've done my research <laughs> to find what, what the best fit is for me. And I think I'm, I feel like I'm there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the only way to get to a point where you feel happy and satisfied with your work. You just have to experiment with different genres and try different things and fail, and give up and then start over again. It's just a, it's kind of a tormenting process, but it's worth it, right? Yeah, I think so. I think you find yourself through that process. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we started recording, uh, we talked a little bit about how we both started out online with our photography journeys, and we both started out on DeviantArt. I'm curious to know, how did you end up on DeviantArt? And as soon as you joined the website, did you feel compelled to take photographs? Or how did that whole process happen? So for me, I, it was around 2010 when I started learning Photoshop and like illustrator, graphic design, and photography, and video. Like, how could I express myself with those things? And I think at the time, DeviantArt was a big place to share your work because there weren't really, like Instagram, I think, started that year. So it wasn't like a, a big platform like it is now for artists. So DeviantArt was a good place to do that. And I think I was on Flickr. Uh, I posted everything to Facebook. I've actually been thinking about lately how since that was the start of my journey, I've kind of shared every single thing I've ever made on the internet in some way. And now I feel like I'm trying to step away from that with, like, for example, my next book, I'm trying to not share any of the photos on the internet. They're only available to see in the book. And I've been surprised with how rejuvenating that feels for me as a photographer because it's something I hadn't experienced in the last 12 years is like this is just for me like I'm the only person who's seen these photos up until I release it which is a weird thing to realize that I've kind of just created things for other people my entire life Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I don't know if you if you feel that at all in terms of like the things you share versus not sharing you know yeah yeah that's an interesting point that you're making i can relate to that because when i first started as a photographer i also shared all of almost all of my photographs online starting from deviantart and then Flickr, facebook instagram you name it all the platforms where photographers exist i also existed and yeah i also felt compelled to share every single good photo of mine as soon as i made it and i don't think i've ever experienced that feeling of just taking photographs for myself and not sharing them for a while, I can imagine how rejuvenating that is. And assuming that has changed the way that you look at your own work and the way that you take photographs, it's probably more liberating, right? Yeah, definitely. It's crazy the difference it makes in what you're creating because you're not thinking about like what's going to give me the most likes or what are people going to like. You're thinking about what do I feel like saying right now? And there's no once you stop sharing it it feels like 
that part of the process just isn't there anymore because it almost becomes a part of the process. Like you just said, as soon as you finish the photo, it's time to post it. So once you take that part of the process out, it's like, okay, I finished the photo and now I can just enjoy it myself. Mm -hmm. I can come back and look at it if I want to. I can make a print and, you know, look at it and maybe even figure out like, oh, I could have done this better. And then you can redo it. And then you're not seen as being repetitive because you didn't post it. And then you redo it, it becomes better. I don't know, it just seems a lot more organic and healthy. Um, which the photographers that are older than us are going to say, yeah, we've been knowing that for years, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, yeah. it's a new thing. Yeah. yeah, they were like these young kids; they don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a it's a good point that you're making, and uh, it's also good to know that you still share your work with people, but just in a very specific way that you control. And right. so it's not like you're isolating yourself from the world. You're just choosing to share your work in a very specific way that works for you. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's still part of that process that we started out talking about where I'm kind of finding my, my home in photography with myself. Like, where do I feel at home with it? And that just feels the most organic to me, like having that relationship with both my audience and my work and how can I make it not unhealthy for me or the audience you know yeah you have to think of a sustainable way to take photographs and to build a community because yeah there are many different ways to approach this there are many different ways to build a community many different ways to attract people to your work um and speaking of photography books you have a new one coming up called horizons what is the inspiration behind it and what can people expect to see in it so it's heavily inspired by nature um i think what I've been saying is it explores the parallels between humans and nature. So the photos are bodyscapes, which isn't a new concept, but they're uh, in color and shot on film. And I'm really focused on how I can make almost illusions for people that aren't familiar with the work. They can just open the book and look at it and not know what they're looking at. They feel like at first they're looking at a landscape and then maybe as they go through the book, they realize, oh, these are more than just landscapes. These are people. And then start exploring, you know, like which part of the body is this? Which uh, natural landscape does this remind me of? Uh, and just, I really want to tell that story with just images and no words. Like my last book had poetry in it. But this one is just photographs and I'm, it's kind of a challenge to myself to tell a story with just photographs and no, you know, no extra help from words or anything. That's kind of, it's kind of where it came from. Hmm. Very interesting. And it's good that you challenge yourself. Uh, I think it's definitely easier to create a photography book when you can use words to, to, to illustrate how you're feeling at the time, the inspiration behind a picture. But if you just have pictures, then you're just leaving that to the interpretation of the viewer. And uh, it's much more challenging, but probably very fulfilling as well, right? Yeah, so the, I started it in 2019. And the photos from back then, I was sharing a lot more. And what felt the best about 
that process was how everybody, not everybody, but most people had the same reaction. They got the same reaction out of pretty much everyone I showed it to. And that was really interesting to me because I had never experienced that before where a group of images makes everybody react the same way. Like they start out thinking that it's one thing and then they realize it's not. And then they have that like, oh, wow moment where they're like, wait, that's not what I thought it was. And it's just interesting to see people have that experience and to give people an experience through the photos, which is what I've challenged myself to do with this. and something I haven't done in the past. So it's, I don't know, it's been fun and I'm excited to share it for that reason. Yeah, can you imagine? people that don't know about it. Mm -hmm. Pick yeah. it up and look at it. And you've created a, a number of photography books. Uh, a lot of photographers are interested in creating their own photography books that tell a story and that mean something to them. So do you have any tips as someone who has a lot of experience for people who are just starting out and want to create a photography book? So the, the comparison I always make is uh, albums for musicians. Uh, it, it's not weird to think of a musician working on an album all the time. You know, that's kind of the goal of their music is to create, they make singles, but usually it's the goal, the end goal for their music that they're creating is to go into an album. And I don't see why photographers shouldn't have that same mindset about books. Like always be working on what collection am I working on to put into my book that's going to be my legacy as a photographer. And that feels natural to me for photographers, especially for photographers that aren't focused as much on client work and are more focused on, you know, the fine art side of photography and expressing themselves with photography. And I think especially with the social media stuff we're talking about where you can get burned out on social media or feel like you're just creating for social media. It's a good exercise to step away from that and tell yourself, I'm not creating for social media. I'm creating for this project that I'm working on. And it's going to take me a few years or however long it's going to take me, but that's what I'm working for. And for me, that's always felt more motivating than saying, I'm just taking stuff to post on Instagram, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm curious to know, so you're working on a photography book, on multiple photography books sometimes, and you're keeping some of those photographs, or all of them, exclusive. And you're also trying to you know, keep up your social media presence. Uh, it's, I think it's a delicate balance. So how do you keep people interested in your work and also make sure to you know, keep those photos that you take to yourself for some time before you publish them? Yeah, so that's been the, I guess, the hardest part is figuring that out. Um, I have my younger self in 2019 to thank for the amount of photo shoots that I was doing at that time because I was doing like five a week and I've had enough photos from the, that year basically to stay consistent with posting photos from back then all the way through 2022. So a lot of times I'm just reposting things from then with a new crop or just a straight up repost. And I think a lot of like right now at this time, a lot of people are doing it. It's a little more normal and less looked down upon, I think, to repost older things, especially if you have 
you know, new people seeing your work all the time, that's a good way to, you know, with the way the algorithms work now, you kind of have to do that to keep getting your stuff pushed to new people because it could be new people that are seeing it for the first time and then it's not a repost to them, you know. Um, so it's a little bit of that. Uh, I started making reels, which is mainly just to try to reach new audiences for the coming promotion of my book. And before I started doing that, I was just kind of absent on social media and taking a break. And I'm starting to look at it in that sense where if I treat myself like these books as a product that I need to market, then I can create a marketing plan and have a time period that that runs through. So I can say March, April, May, I'm going to be promoting my book. And that's when I'll be active on social media. And then once my book comes out, I can promote the book with this marketing plan through, let's say, August. And then I can relax and I can take a few months off. But planning, planning the marketing out like that has helped me to know that there's an end to it and that it's not just going to be something I have to do for the rest of my life. Just post every day, you know, because I think that that's where I myself ended up in a place where I felt burnt out on social media because I, it just felt like a never ending loop of having to create and post, create and post, and then you lose your creative energy. And I think it, it, it kind of, it shows in the work whenever that's what you're doing. I think. I understand that feeling of overwhelm when you feel like you're stuck in a loop in an endless loop of just uh, posting, reposting, coming up with captions, coming up with something witty for people to like replying to comments <laughs> and collectively that can take a toll on anyone. And so that's a really smart thing that you're doing, having structure, taking breaks, uh, basically treating these projects like a, a musician would treat an album. Never right. thought of from that perspective and it's it's nice that you're taking inspiration from other forms of art from musicians it's uh definitely something photographers should consider if they feel like maybe they don't want to constantly be active on social media it's it's a good solution right i, I mean it's it's good for i guess if your goal is to do things like this which i think it should be but I know that some people, they want to have clients, they want to be doing work for people. And then that's when you get to a place where you kind of do have to just be posting all the time so that you can get more work, which for me personally, that wasn't sustainable mentally. So that was why I stepped away from it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard with the way things have gone in the past few years, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just uh, you have to be wise and you have to adjust to your lifestyle and also adjust to your clients' needs. I think it's possible to find a solution. Like for every kind of photographer out there, uh, you just have to, as we mentioned earlier, experiment with different things, and then eventually you'll find something that works for you. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to know that you have found uh, an approach and a structure that complements your life and feels organic to you. I'm definitely inspired by the way that you approach social media, so I might steal a few of your ideas. <laughs> Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, 
receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. I'm all about anytime I see someone, especially with the books, photography books, I'm always, I always want to buy them because it, it's the way I think photography should go and could go with social media and photography is creating these books. And I think a lot of the social media photographers do that these days. And I, I really hope that it inspires people to. What camera equipment do you use? So that's actually hard to answer because I have a few cameras in the recent years that I've used. For years, I used the DSLR up until 2017. I switched to uh, a Ricoh GRD4. And that's like a little digital point and shoot if you're not familiar with it. And I used that just as a way to try to get more creative with photography. I was tired of the quote perfection that you can try to achieve with the sharpest lens on the nicest camera. And that look, I was just sick of it. And I wanted to try something new. So I got that camera and then it ended up being my main camera that I used for client shoots and everything from that point forward. And then in 2019, I switched to film because that camera had a 10 megapixel sensor and I wanted to print bigger and I couldn't print. So I switched to a Nikon F2, um, an SLR film camera. And I used that for my the last book that I made, Alone Together. It was mostly shot on that. And then I switched to medium format film. And I started on a Mamiya RB67. And then I switched to a Rolleiflex SL66, which is personally my favorite camera. I think it's the best camera ever designed. And I usually don't even tell people what it is, but I'm giving it away now. <laughs> Oh, wow. Thank you for the exclusive scoop. <laughs> yeah, just for you. Uh, I like that you work with film, and I think it's uh, it's very difficult to do that in an age where everything is you know, instant gratification, where you can take photographs very quickly and achieve perfection, as you said earlier. Um, you have a specific, very distinct style where in many of your photographs, the, there's tons of light leaks, um, double exposure effects. Sometimes it's very difficult to see who the model is, and there's lots of colors. So I'm curious to know if you remember the first time you created an effect like that, and if so, how did it feel? So probably the first time was back when I started experimenting with uh, setting up like a home studio, which would have been around 2014. And that's when 
I just had a friend who would model for me and she would come over and we would mess around in the studio and see what kind of crazy stuff I could do with the camera just to try new things. And that's when the long exposures became something I liked kind of throwing into shoots as a fun way to mix it up. And then in 2019, when I started working on the plan for my last book, I knew that I wanted to create something that might work as prints on people's walls. And I thought about how portraits aren't really, unless you know the person in the portrait, it's not really something that you'd want to hang on your wall. So then I thought to use that long exposure technique to kind of obscure people's faces and add a lot of color and life to the photos that might make it more uh, desirable in that sense, because it could be anybody. And that was kind of the start of the inspiration for that, that style that I used for that book. And yeah, and then I just did my best to figure out the best way, quote, to do it for that project. I remember reading in one of your interviews that you, uh, while developing film, uh, you licked one of your photos <laughs> just to see the effect. Uh, and then you realize that they were harmful chemicals. But I thought that was interesting. It really shows that you're willing to uh, experiment with the things that other people wouldn't really be open to experimenting with, wouldn't even think about. It really shows that you're... Uh, really embracing your creative side which is admirable yeah the, the to explain the lick it wasn't uh intentional it was more like a mindless thought i was i was like oh this negative is kind of dirty let me lick it to <laughs> clean it and then as i was licking it i realized that i hadn't washed it like it was it was on purpose i didn't wash the chemicals off of it at the end of the developing uh, just because i wanted it to i wanted to experiment with that and then, yeah, as I was looking at it, I was like, oh, there's deadly chemicals on here. I should have not done that. <laughs> but then I had the photo, so I might as well scan it and see what happens before I die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and another important element in your work, I think, is, is color. You have this great relationship with different types of colors. Uh, the way that you work with them creates very specific moods in your pictures. Um, and sometimes you focus on like a very specific color or a set of colors in your shots. So I'm curious to know at the moment, what's your favorite color to work with in your photos and why? So when it comes to using the color, it's always been something I don't uh, like decide up until the person is there in front of me. And I kind of just feel out the moment. I feel what feels right with their energy and what they're giving me. And that's kind of always the inspiration for whatever color I use for any particular session. So I wouldn't say I have a favorite, but I do love using uh, greens and figuring out how to make greens look good. Like not a super saturated green, but kind of white with a green undertone. And I think in the recent stuff I've posted, you'll see that that's kind of a theme is that green undertone. Green mm -hmm. is my favorite color. Next mm -hmm. book cover screen <laughs> <laughs> yeah and do you see that uh, in post or using color gels or something else so for a long time like 2014 up until 2019 maybe i used gels and then i upgraded to 
an RGB LED system. And then uh, the company Hive, I became an ambassador for them. So now I use Hive lights. And they, they're LEDs with color changing. So we can do any color on the spectrum. Wow, that's really interesting. I don't really know much about that type of photography and LED lights and stuff because I don't usually work in a studio. So I'm very fascinated by that and by the ability to control colors in a studio. I think it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And I'm experimenting with, uh, like with those hive lights, they, they sent me a battery that I could hook up to the light. So I'm trying to see how I can take it outdoors and take it out of the studio because my next book, After Horizons, is not taking place in the studio. Oh, really? Ooh, so we're going to be outdoors in natural light? Yes. Hmm. That's really exciting. And is that the first focus is on that or not? Uh, yeah, it will be. It, um, my my very first book was like black and white photos of Bax. It was called Bax. It was a studio project. And then Alone Together was a studio project. And then Horizons is a studio project. Kind of, kind of connecting the studio to nature. And then my next book mm -hmm. uh, is going to be more focused on like nostalgia and moments from my life up until now. I'm trying to just tell stories again with photographs. But that's in the early, early planning stages. So, Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. I'm sure that'll also be a success. Thank you. We talked a lot about social media, but I want to talk a little bit more about your presence on Twitter specifically, because you have quite a following there and you use it for your photography needs. You share uh, photographs, sets of photographs, and sometimes you write things about yourself or your life or just something creative, which I think is very interesting. I know that a lot of photographers, they think of using Twitter. I myself, I'm also a little bit, you know, skeptical about it. I'm like, how could I possibly use it? You know, how can I show people my work since it's mostly like a place where you write things? Uh, so what should people know before they start using Twitter? So Twitter is, a, there's so many different sections of Twitter. People call it blank Twitter. Like there's photo Twitter, there's art Twitter, you know. And I think the key is just getting into those communities. And once you know people in that community, and they share your work, basically. That's when you kind of get brought into that community. And then it can be good. It can be bad. As with any community, there are good people, bad people. Some people are taking advantage of it. Some people are just there to be supportive. But I think that that's kind of... For me on Twitter, it was around 2019 when I just started posting all the photos from my last book, and which is those color long exposure photos. And I had a friend with like 4,000 Twitter followers, and I had like 300. And she just decided she wanted to help me, and she shared my work a few times to her following. And then I made a note to follow back uh, a lot of people so that maybe by doing that they would be interested in sharing my work and then i could share their work and it just be kind of kind of became a thing like that where the community uplifts each other and i think it's been harder in that sense in the past year or two with nfts and how 
those have kind of taken over those spaces of art Twitter and photo Twitter where that's a lot more of what you see. I don't know if it's, it might be kind of ramping down from that now, but I think that when it comes to Twitter, that's kind of what it is, is it's more of a community-based algorithm almost where on Instagram, the algorithm on Instagram decides who sees your work on Twitter. It's more the people who had followers who decide who gets to, you know, see your work. Like I've done it for friends of mine who create art. Um, I tell them just post sets on Twitter and I'll retweet you every time you do it and you'll organically grow followers through that. That's really, I don't know if that's an exciting answer, but that's kind of just from my experience, that's kind of how it works on there. Yeah, it sounds like it's a different kind of community, as you said, and it's uh, it's a different dynamic altogether. And yeah. I like that you can repost other people's, what's it called? Retweet. Retweet. I can hold the person, I have no idea what Twitter is. Uh, but you can retweet other people's posts, which is not really a thing on Instagram. I guess you can repost a story or you can repost somebody else's photograph as a story, but it's not nearly the same as it is on Twitter. I think it's just more community oriented as you said you have a feed and then people can see who you support and what kind of work you create that's definitely a nice aspect it's nice you can have this group of people who like your work and who support you and whom you can support in return so yeah i guess for anyone who's interested if that's something that you like if you like building communities then maybe you should consider joining twitter joining the twitterverse as a photographer yeah and it's I think photographers like it because the the images, funnily enough, come through. You can post them in higher quality. People can load them in 4K, um, which isn't a thing on Instagram. So people that are interested in having higher quality images out there, Twitter's a good place for that. But I think it's hard because the engagements are a lot less consistent. So if that's what you're looking for is just a bunch of engagements, then it can be hard to stay motivated to keep posting on Twitter. But I'd say if you're posting once a day, you know, people are eventually going to see your stuff and share it. Yeah. Yeah, You just have to figure out what your priorities are as a photographer. Do you want more engagement? Do you want more of a community-based style? Yeah, just make a list, I guess, of things that mean a lot to you that would motivate you as a photographer and then uh, join the platforms that you think uh, align with those values. But again, I think it's a trial and error process. I used to be on Twitter a few years ago. I personally didn't like it. Um, but then I kind of gravitated more towards exclusive photography communities like Flickr. That works better for me personally. So I think uh, everyone has their own different style. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. And you also have a Patreon account. And Patreon is another thing that uh, people, like photographers are very interested in, people in general are interested in. You can create a community, again, of your own where you have all the control and you can share your photos with people, you can share whatever you want and then get supported for that in return every month. Do you have any tips for photographers who want to create Patreon accounts that inspire people to support them? So with Patreon, I started it as a way to just kind of dump everything that I've learned about photography and making books um, and also, you know, help people out on a more personal basis. And I think around probably this time last year was when I took a break from it and 
just told like I, I took off most of my tears and I told people I needed to step away just because I felt like I wasn't as consistent on it as I wanted to be and that they deserved the people that were paying me to be there. So it kind of I kind of stepped away from it, but when it was kind of more of a thriving community was when I was active and you know I was offering people critiques, I was uh, sending out a monthly print to people. And I think that having as many things as possible that someone is getting out of the experience is important. If you're just posting tutorials, for example, then that's not as much of an incentive to join. But if you have, you know, like, like I said, prints that you're sending out or you're offering critiques or portfolio reviews with people, then that might be more. I think that people look at it like when people are going to subscribe to a photographer on Patreon, they look at it in a sense of what can I, what money will I make by spending this money? So if they think that they can give you $5 so that they can learn how to make, you know, more money with their photography, then I think that that's what will incentivize people to join the most. And on the art side of it, if you're offering things like prints, that can be an incentive. But I think more than anything, the majority of people just want to learn how to make money with photography. Mm -hmm. so that's the biggest thing I've seen. Right. So you have to give them a lot of value back in return for their pledge. So if it's $5, as you said, they should be getting $500 in return <laughs> in some way. Uh, not directly, I guess, but uh, yeah, just uh, through knowledge. Yeah. yeah, I think it. what personally motivates me as a photographer, as, as a fan of other photographers, is getting access to, to them directly, being able to communicate with them somehow, being able to ask questions if they're, especially if they're popular, if they've been taking photos for a long time, sometimes it's difficult to reach them on other platforms. So if they have a personal space where you can actually talk to them, that's, that's another incentive, at least for me personally. Yeah. But I think there's also an expectation now, especially with the younger generation of photographers that uh, we are available through DMs and uh, like if someone DMs us on Instagram, like I've responded to people's DMs on Instagram and then they tell me like they appreciated me responding because other photographers are so stuck up and they don't respond, which obviously isn't true. People just have boundaries that they set. But uh, I think that audiences, younger audiences, they, they have that expectation just because they grew up with that ability to just kind of reach out to anybody they want to reach out to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not healthy. Yeah, I remember a while ago, I received a DM from someone. They asked me about my work. I replied and gave them some advice. I think I don't remember what it was. But then they kept asking me questions. And I remember I did not reply within a few hours. And they followed up with me and said, well, you're ignoring me now, aren't you? I was like, no, <laughs> I'm just busy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that was the point where I was like, wow, this is a bit unhealthy for me, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to have boundaries through through dms in that sense just because of the way social media has become where everybody can be i think people realize that everybody sees everything that gets sent to them and then they were like oh you must you must be so full of yourself because you're not responding to me and that that kind of entitlement mm -hmm. into it but yeah that, that is a good point that you made about if there is that exclusivity then that's another good incentive 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boundaries are very important, and if you are the kind of photographer who who's open to talking to people, replying to DMs, that's a nice thing. And if you're not, that's also good because uh, boundaries, as we said, it's uh, it's important to know what you're comfortable with sharing, what you're not comfortable with sharing as a photographer, and it's, it's you're right completely. You're not obliged to share more than you're comfortable with sharing with people online. Well, I have one more question for you, Jake, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? I really, so I'm going to have a very specific answer to this. I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and there's a museum there called the Modern Art Museum of Fort Worth. And it's one of the biggest museums in the world. It's where a lot of the most famous artists in the world have shown their work. And I've been visiting it since I was a kid, and I've always dreamed of having something in there. So if I could achieve that, I think I would be set for life. <laughs> Just having something in that museum in my hometown. That would be huge. That's the most specific answer I've ever gotten, and I really appreciate that, actually. It's nice. It's nice that you know what you want. I mean, I didn't even think about it until you prompted me with that question. So oh, I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate the answer. I'm sure you'll be able to achieve that goal. And uh, I really appreciate all the wonderful things you shared with me in this interview. Thank you so much for all the tips and advice. And I wish you all the very best with your photography and, of course, your photography books. Thank you very much. The Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. As someone who doesn't have much experience with film photography, I was absolutely fascinated by this interview, and I hope that you were as well. It's really interesting to know that you can experiment with different techniques and break the rules and get really amazing results. I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview and that you learned a lot, and I will see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.